Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And today I'm joined with uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Tim Smith. He's going to be guiding our discussion today. But we are blessed and super excited to have Tim Brady with us and Chris Surratt. So I'll let the, those guys tell you what they're doing at Lifeway. But uh, and there's been a lot that's been happening at Lifeway. So I'm telling you what these guys are doing, the resources they're putting out, is really just unparalleled compared to where we have been coming into the last two months. So Ken and Chris, I'm going to say it again at the end, but thank you, thank you, thank you for the time and energy that you guys are putting into uh, product and resources and blessing local churches. Now, for those of you that are viewing today, make sure that you comment below because we're going to be just like we do every broadcast. We're going to give some free swag away. We want to bless you. We want to send things your way. And what we're going to send today, uh, we're going to send a copy of Ken's newest book, Breathing, Breathing Life, into Sunday School. And then uh, this is what that one actually looks like. And then Chris has a copy of his book. He'll show up. And we're going to give that one to you as well. And that's Leading Small Groups. So you got both perspectives here. But I'm telling you, these are rich resources. Super excited to have you guys. Tim, take charge and guide us through. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate everybody joining us. And uh, make sure you do comment. Let us know where you're watching this from, and uh, you'll get um, into the conversation also the opportunity to win those uh, great resources. Uh, the title of this is Creating Better Online Bible Study or Group Experiences for Adults. And, and you know, it, it, it's been interesting as we've uh, kind of gone through this uh, that um, there's been some funny and some embarrassing moments. Uh, you know, I was doing one of these and had a guy that fell asleep. Uh, you know, we're sitting there watching him. Uh, uh, and thankfully he was either muted or he wasn't snoring. Uh, I was doing one the other day and had, uh, it was uh, nighttime and here's this pastor and his wife walks behind him, has got on her robe and her hair's up in the towel from her shower. Uh, you know, just crazy things. Uh, that have been happening. So, uh, so Chris and Ken, we'll start with Chris. What, um, what has been the funniest or most embarrassing thing that has happened to you uh, online during this uh, COVID-19 time? Well, thanks, Tim. It's good to start with something embarrassing or funny. That's a, <laughs> that's a good way to kick it off. But actually, I haven't had anything extremely embarrassing or funny. I think we were a little bit prepared because we do a lot of meetings via Zoom at Lifeway already. And so, you know, we, we kind of know how to frame the picture and be ready for things. But uh, kind of embarrassing and uh, hard during the beginning of it, my Wi-Fi was not handling the load with everybody being at home because I've got two girls now at home, one that's doing high school, another one that was doing college via online. My wife is a full-time a bookkeeper. I'm actually in her office right now. She usually works right behind me. So everything was just maxing out the Wi-Fi. And I was doing a webinar for some friends in England, in the UK, and really excited about it and got to the part where they said, hey, Chris, we're so glad to have you. Why don't you introduce yourself? And my Wi-Fi went, gone. <laughs> and this was a live webinar. If there was no re-recording, no anything, it was just gone. So I had to scramble, get my phone, get on through the cell data, download the app. I mean, it took probably 10 minutes for me to get back on, but yeah, that, that was my experience. Ken, how about for you? What's been your most uh, embarrassing or funniest experience online during this time? 
Uh, hey, Tim, this is, uh, this is an easy one. And hey, Scott, uh, we were doing our, our, our second group Bible study uh, from our church on Zoom, and we had about five or six couples in the meeting, so not a bad, not a bad start to uh, our season of online Bible study. And, uh, you know, when you get online, not everybody remembers to mute their microphone, right? And so uh, we start hearing, you know, background noise. It's not bad. We can't really tell, you know, where it's coming from. But then all of a sudden we hear this, wee, wee, eh, you know, and we're like, what is this? And uh, one of the couples apologized and they hit mute. They said, that's us. They hit mute. And then they came back in just a second. And each of them, the husband and the wife, both held up little piglets that they had bought for their daughters and these little piglets were just running around the house and evidently when you pick up a piglet uh, it likes to squeal and so uh, they interrupted the meeting and then everybody of course wanted to see them so hey hold them up to the screen and it was like bible studies over you know <laughs> groups ruined you know let's just do prayer requests you know because at that point we were just all you know we all wanted to go out and buy little piglets uh, <laughs> yeah i heard the other day that you know they're doing the uh, Supreme Court online, and uh, they were having some questions and arguments and whatever, and there they were, the Supreme Court, um, and somebody's toilet flushed uh, live for the world to hear. Uh, so uh, it it is uh, been an interesting time. And Tim, hey. let me mention something right here that you are a part of. Uh-oh. So <laughs> we're talking to our discipleship team, and I'm on the road, man, I'm headed home, so I'm just, I'm taking my video off, and I'm just audio, right? get out of the car, come in the house while well, I'm, I'm washing my hands. Well, I put the phone on mute, I thought, right? So I'm washing my hands in the, in the office there. And then all of a sudden, the, everybody's like, dude, I can't believe you're using the restroom while you're on the phone with us. I'm like, I'm not. I'm washing my hands. They said, we know you are. I said, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it has been some interesting and, and fun times, uh, no doubt. Hey, let's do this. Let's talk about the, the best practices for re-engaging our, our members and prospects through uh, online groups. And uh, Ken, we'll start with you. What, what are some best practices to, to re-engage our members and our prospects through online groups? And tell the folks what you do at Lifeway, please, sir. What do I do? Well, uh, for the last decade, I have had the privilege of managing our adult ongoing curriculum. So that's just another way of saying Sunday school curriculum for adults. And that includes things like Explore the Bible, Bible Studies for Life, Gospel Project, Masterwork, You, and all the commentaries and things that go with that, the leader packs and whatnot. But this last October, uh, I had the privilege of receiving another job, and that is the role of Sunday School Director. And so now I use that position to be an advocate uh, for Sunday School uh, for all age groups uh, around the country. I get to write and blog and speak and do things like this and support our state conventions. And so that's been a, a wonderful privilege. So those are my two, my two jobs uh, right now at Lifeway. And you've asked a great question about re-engaging people uh, that are in our groups. And, um, uh, and so I've got a couple of thoughts. I still think, Tim, the number one reason that people come to a group, whether it's an online group or it's a group on uh, campus, is through the personal invitation of somebody that they know. It's still, you know, it's a very powerful factor. So I think we see people online right now coming into the online groups and growing uh, our Bible study groups simply because somebody in the group says, hey, my group's meeting Sunday morning at 10 or, you know, Tuesday night at 8. Uh, here's the link. Why don't you come join us? And it gives them an easy in uh, to join the group. I also know that right now, uh, because we're getting ready, it looks like, to reopen churches, uh, you're, 
getting ready to reopen in Georgia. We're reopening in Tennessee uh, this uh, this month. And so uh, we're starting to wonder, you know, how do we re-engage people that have been now sequestered for eight weeks or kind of have gotten, have gotten used to online groups? And so, uh, you know, porch visits, honestly, Tim, you know, where you can go distribute a study guide and say, hey, look, here's what our group's using. And, you know, whether you come back on campus or you stay with us online, you know, it just gives us an opportunity to re-engage somebody that may have stepped away uh, for a little bit of a, a, a time, so I, I love that. And and also, I'll, I'll end on this one. Um, it's good for the group leader to do the reaching out, but it's even more powerful when a group member reaches out to somebody that's been absent or a little bit on the fringe, because folks may think, well, that's the teacher's job to reach out to me, you know? But if a group member reaches out and says, hey, I want you to engage with my group. I've got a great Bible study group, and you need to come be a part of this. That's even more powerful than when a group leader reaches out. That's right. Chris, how about you? What are some best practices for re-engaging uh, our members and even those who are not in our group um, during this time with an online group? Sure. And um, I'm the small group specialist at Lifeway, so I get to talk about small groups all the time, which I love and do a lot of writing and uh, co-host a podcast called Group Answers with Brian Daniel at Lifeway. So that's kind of what I do for uh, my day job. But uh, just a couple of practical uh, suggestions for groups. You know, most groups have been doing online for a little while now, uh, you know, for at least a few weeks. My group has done several meetings online. So I think people are getting used to the idea of having a group experience online. But, I, you know, I hear from churches that they're still – people that are not engaging as much as they'd like for them to online, whether they're not ready for the technology or they just don't feel like it's a good community experience. So one thing I would suggest is offering options for engaging that online community. For instance, uh, I know with Zoom and some of the other online conferencing tools, you can call in instead of videoing in. And so I've talked to some groups that have had some success with, especially um, maybe older folks in our, their group that are not um, technologically prepared to do a Zoom meeting, but they can make a phone call. And so doing, doing a phone call or doing one group meeting, that's all on phone. So everybody does it that way. So if somebody's not ready for a video experience, they might be able to try that at first. Also, another thing is just um, varying the format of how you're doing your groups. I found, you know, after doing a few of these that they can get very monotonous. Um, you know, you have the same kind of look, the same thing. And so just changing the order maybe that you do your, your group in. And then I discovered the other day, I did a webinar for another guy, and he used a tool or an online conferencing tool called Icebreaker that I'd never heard of. And it's just a fun, different version of a Zoom format where you have uh, people up front kind of on a stage sort of, and then you can give questions and it breaks people off into automatic breakout rooms with each other to talk about them. They come back. It's just, it's just a different way of doing it. So I would encourage you, if you've been doing it for a few weeks, maybe look at some, some different options for doing it differently next time. Well, that's fabulous. I appreciate you answering that question there. Um, one of the things that, that comes to my mind that's been a struggle, guys, is when you talk about uh, discussion and in, in, in based on groups, how do you deal with those discussions that are based on group or how do you ask questions that allow for discussion without talking over each other? You know, in the face-to-face -face meeting, 
that's something that we all struggle with. There's, you always have that one that's trying to talk over, but in these, you know, with delays and that sort of thing, love for y'all to address that. And let's start, uh, Chris, with you. Sure. Yeah, it's a different kind of environment, isn't it? I mean, uh, you can't, two or three people can't jump in at the same time, then it gets awkward. Who goes first? Who, you know, who waits? And, and it's, it's just different. And so I think one key is at the beginning to have expectations of what it's like. Um, I know that uh, with our church, they sent out kind of a list of here's how to have an effective online meeting. I helped write one of those at the very beginning of all this. And just setting the expectations of the front that we're not going to be able to talk all at the same time. We're going to have to have some uh, uh, different kind of social cues online than we do in person. You know, I can't just look at Tim right now and expect Tim to understand that I'm talking right to him. That just doesn't happen online. So we have to understand that going into it. And then there's some, uh, some different kind of cues that you can use. I know uh, some people use raising your hand. So if you've got an answer to a question, raise your hand, which requires the host to be a little bit more active in facilitating the conversation than in an uh, in-person meeting. So you're calling on somebody more often. And then, you know, if you're using Zoom, there's features like um, raising your hand that you can add to it. That's actually, you can click it and somebody raise their hand or you can use the chat feature. But I think the most important thing is just right up front, say this is going to be different. It's okay. We understand that. Here's some ways that we can work within those those uh, barriers of being online. That's great. Ken, what would be your idea in helping folks to keep from talking over one another? Well, you're going to find that Chris and I are thinking very similarly about that uh, because uh, I think three of the four things that I was going to mention, I think uh, Chris just uh, just did. And so, uh, you know, it just shows you how similar small groups uh, and Sunday school groups are, are, are really, you know, that, that close in what they do. So uh, one tool that you can use uh, when you're in an online group, uh, one trick you can use is to just call on a specific person. And that keeps a lot of chatter and, and cross traffic from happening. And so you might say, hey, Scott, you know, uh, when was the last time, you know, you took a sour circumstance and made lemonade out of it, you know, and it just signals to the group, I'm looking for you, you know, to answer that question. So I probably should not have other folks that are jumping in. I do like the Zoom feature, you know, where you can actually raise a hand uh, in Zoom, you do it on the participants button, and you can, you know, actually, you know, do it electronically. But it's also if you're in a gallery view, like Chris mentioned, you can just physically raise a hand and the group leader hopefully is alert uh, to that and we'll uh, see that happen. And uh, then you've got the chat feature that Chris mentioned. You can just you know, ask a question in chat, have that running on the side. And as you see those questions pop up, just tell your folks, hey, I'll address these as we, as we go through. Uh, I've been in some Zoom Bible studies lately, you know, that, uh, you know, there is, you know, that opportunity when people, you know, talk over one another and usually somebody says, oh, oh you go first. And that person yields, the other guy or the gal talks, and then the other, you know, you know the other person that had to wait, gets their turn. And it's really not been very awkward. Uh, you know, it, it's not uh, too dissimilar for what could happen in a, you know, in a live, uh, in the, in the same room kind of a group setting. Yeah, my, uh, my group, when we met on campus on Sunday mornings, we, we averaged about 14 in attendance and mm -hmm. we've been online for eight or nine weeks and our average attendance has been 34. And so we've had the problem of, and we're discussion based and we've had the problem of talking over each other. And so what we did is we just started um, taking the list of the participants and working down that list. And we would call out two or three names. And we'd say, Scott and, and Chris, this question's for you. And then we'd ask the question. 
and uh, and that kept us from talking over each other. And so those uh, that can happen. So help help. Thank you for helping us with that. Hey, you know the the question I've heard from a lot of pastors. You know, because we we started this thing, and the first phase was we got to get our worship services online. And then the next phase was we got to get our giving online. And then the third phase was, Hey, we, we got to get our groups online. And now the pastors are looking at me and say, Hey, we got to help our groups be better online. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And so do our members need to be prepared? You know, does that, does that help with the online experience? Um, and, and if, and if it does help, how do we get them to be ready for our group time. And so Ken, we'll, we'll start with you on that one. Sure. So uh, an education hero of mine is Dr. Robert Pasmino. And in one of his books uh, on uh, Christian teaching, uh, he delivered an illustration from his life. You know, his son uh, went to culinary school and became a chef. And uh, one Thanksgiving was going to prepare a dish of Brussels sprouts for the family. And Dr. Pasmino is like, what are you doing that? Nobody's going to want Brussels sprouts. They're terrible. And the son said, well, why don't you come over and let me show you how we're going to make these things. He said, I promise, you know, this will be great. Everybody's going to love them. So Dr. Pasmino goes over to his kid's house and here's this son preparing, uh, preparing the Brussels sprouts. And, and he gives Dr. Pasmino this little tool where he is actually assigned the task of coring out the, you know, that little bitter middle part. And they wrap them in bacon and uh, stuff them with something and put them in the oven, you know, bake them for a while. And he said it was the absolute best dish of a side dish that they had ever had with a meal. All that to say, Dr. Pasmino said, I learned a really good lesson. And he said, it's all about the preparation. It's what you do to prepare that makes the difference. And so that works, I think, on the teacher side of things. But it also, I think, does work on the group member side of things because they will come in better prepared. They may have questions about the text that they just won't think of in the middle of the Bible study. So I think preparation does give them opportunity to let things kind of be mulled over in their own mind. And they will come in uh, and will, it will enhance what happens uh, in the Bible study. And so how would you do that? Well, so selfishly, says the guy from Lifeway who creates Bible study products, uh, I want my group members, uh, I want them using their personal study guide. I want them to read that during the week. There are questions and prompts in there that will kind of get them thinking about those kinds of uh, questions they can bring to the group, things that they don't understand that they can ask their teacher. And so I love, you know, when groups uh, that are online are using those study guides, just like they would use them in class, Tim. I think that's a still a very important tool. So we're planning at our church as we reopen just worship, we're going to have our study guides available on tables. People will pick those up as they leave and they'll have those in their hands for their online groups the next week. So I think that's a great tool that we don't need to overlook even during a, a COVID-9 uh, off-campus Bible study. Chris, how about you? What, what, how, do we, how do we help our members get prepared for their online group time? Sure. I, I think that is important. Uh, you know, I talked earlier about having expectations for what it's like to be online. So that's one way to prepare your group for what an online experience is. And then a lot of small groups do short-term Bible studies, we call with the video enhanced teaching as a part of it. Well, it's awkward to watch a video together online, which you think it would, it wouldn't be that bad because we're already staring at a screen, but getting the technology to work and just staring at a screen to watch another screen is just a little bit of a weird experience. And plus with an online uh, uh, group experience, they're normally shorter. You're not going to go, you know, hour and a half, couple hours, because that's a long time. So if you have 
a uh, video that goes 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that takes up a big chunk of your group time. So I encourage groups to uh, send out the video ahead of time for group members to be able to watch it, be ready, um, you know, just from LifeWay, smallgroup.com allows you to do that easily. You can send it out to all of your group members, say, hey, watch this before we have our, our group meeting this week. So that helps prepare them. You know, a lot of groups right now are doing uh, message-based studies because that's a little bit easier online. You're not watching a video. Well, now it's easy just to tell people to watch the message. You know, if you missed it on Sunday, it's on demand for most churches online now. So you can go watch that ahead of time. So just being prepared with the teaching portion before you have the on online group experience. That's a good word. I'm sitting here taking notes all the way through this. It's a little hard to guide this discussion because I want to just listen to every word that you guys are saying. Uh, this is huge. Now, this next question I have for you is really critical because um, privacy and security of these online groups is, is really critical. Had a friend uh, email me the other day saying that he was in a group with his church and somebody had hacked in and uploaded uh, pornography and just, you know, you can imagine the devastation of what that was for that group. So the question is, how do you keep hackers out of your group gathering online? Chris, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I think it's less of a big deal than it was at the very beginning. I know my daughter with her uh, online classes had some, they call them Zoom bombs, um, people just dropping into the chat. Luckily, hers weren't really bad. It was just some other kids trying to cause some trouble. But um, since then, uh, if you're using Zoom, they've put in a lot of features that, uh, that secure the meetings. You know, at the beginning, I know a lot of people were just putting their Zoom link out like on Facebook and say, hey, jump on this. You know, we're going to have a meeting in a couple of days and you just can't do that. You know, that's just not a good way to go. And so now making it personal invites. Also, Zoom has uh, made every, uh, autom every meeting automatically with a password. And so they have to have a password to jump in. And another feature that's been great for me as I've hosted webinars is the waiting room feature where you can set up your meeting or your webinar where people first have to go into a waiting room and then you allow them manually into your, into your meeting. And that's, you know, for a small group, that's easy to do. You've got 10, 15, 20 people. It's pretty easy. You can let them all in at one time if you can see it's all your group members or one at a time. So there are some security features that uh, I know at least Zoom has put into place. But the biggest one for me is just don't make the link public. That's good. And that, that uh, tool of being able to have people admitted into it has been a really just a game saver for us as we've done things. Ken, do you have any other additional ideas on how to keep people from hacking your groups? Yeah, uh, Chris has mentioned some big ones. Uh, the password, of course, and then you don't share uh, the meeting link and password uh, online and social media. You just share it with people you know. But beyond that, you can also disable uh, screen sharing of the participants. That's a Zoom setting. Uh, and, and that keeps somebody that comes into your group that uh, maybe you think they're safe, uh, but they're in there to throw something up on the screen. Well, you can disable screen sharing on their end, and they can't do that. That'd be a frustration, you know, to someone that's coming in to hack the meeting. Uh, you can also uh, make sure that you don't 
uh, have people that are using virtual backgrounds, you know, in Zoom, uh, you've got a few uh, backgrounds like the uh, San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge uh, or some other things. Uh, there's like a scene of a beach, you know, and it's not a good practice to use those virtual backgrounds because the virtual backgrounds can also be hijacked. And then all of a sudden you've got something on the screen that you don't want everyone uh, seeing. And then the last one I'll mention is just disable file sharing because if someone comes into your group, they could introduce a file that's got, uh, you know, images on it you don't want them to see or malware and those kind of things. So just disable file sharing. And those are all settings inside of Zoom. There's just a one click. Once you got that, you've set up a pretty secure meeting. And, uh, you know, you can never totally probably safeguard the meeting, but you can you can almost make it airtight if you'll just take a few seconds to make some of these security measures a reality for the group. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And um, we do have to make it safe. And um, and it is, it, you know, you want to make it public. You want to invite everybody to come, but you can't put it out there and 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 make it public. Hey, and Kim, we'll start with you on this one. How is teaching a group online mm -hmm. different from teaching a group in, in person on campus? How's it different, mm -hmm. but how's it the same? Well, it's different in that I don't have to wear pants. I say that kind of facetiously. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the Zoom meetings I've been in, you know, have been very casual. I mean, we've had folks uh, doing Bible study in pajamas and sweatshirts, and so it's super casual. You would probably not see that, you know, in a, in a classroom setting at church, so people have really kind of geared down. Uh, that's different that way. Um, it's You can't interact physically, so you can't reach over, touch somebody. You can't pass something across the room, or, so there's just no physical contact. That's also uh, a different. I think uh, somebody's already mentioned, uh, I think maybe it was Scott, that attention spans are shorter. Uh, so if we're in a Bible study group, I could teach for 35, 40 minutes and then save you know, 15, 20 minutes for a prayer request and announcements and then go to church, go to worship online, I'm having to limit my Bible study to about 20, 22 minutes uh, because we've got, you know, kids that come running into rooms or, you know, the random dog walks through or squealing pigs and then all of a sudden meetings over, you know, and that kind of thing. And so uh, I think group leaders that are online are finding they've got to take their material and although it's very counterintuitive, uh, they've got to create, craft a Bible study that's around 20, 22 minutes to give their groups another 15, 20 minutes or so for fellowship. And uh, the groups are really wanting to talk and engage because they've not seen each other. So that's how it's uh, a little bit different. And I also, I think assimilation of the, the newer people that are coming into your group, uh, you really have to be very intentional, uh, Tim, about assimilating folks. It's one thing to have them visiting your group for the Bible study, but you want them to become part of that community. So who is going to reach out to that person and, and really try to make friends uh, virtually and to invite them back and those kind of things. I think that's, that's some of the ways it's different. I may let Chris talk about some of the ways that it could be similar, but uh, those are just a few, a few thoughts about you know, how things are gonna be different or are different uh, online. Yeah, I agree with uh, Ken, I think when it comes to a small group experience, it's, it's a little bit more similar than probably a uh, kind of a Sunday school teaching experience because most small groups, the small group leader or facilitator is not going to be doing the teaching. It's either done by video or they're using notes um, from the message, you know, things like that. And so the online experience doesn't differ too much from that. Now, where it does differ, differ is the facilitator, and I talked about that earlier, has to be a little bit more active in the conversation. So when I train group leaders, normally 
uh, we kind of use the uh, the thirty percent rule that you, know, you should be talking about thirty percent of the time during a discussion to allow the group to enter into it. So that means you know starting with a question and then kind of letting it hang there for somebody just to answer. And I always encourage group leaders wait about you know, 45 to 60 seconds, and it's going to get uncomfortable, but somebody is going to answer it. There, there is somebody in the group that just can't let that happen. Well, it's a little bit, a little bit different online. You can ask a question and let it hang, and it may be five minutes for some groups, you know, before somebody is uh, willing to jump in, and especially if it's a newer type group, you're not comfortable with the, the, the um, setup yet. And so, you know, just like we said before, a facilitator may have to go, hey, Scott, what do you think about this? Or what are your thoughts on this? Instead of just letting the question hang out there for people to answer. So a little bit of the same format, but has, you have to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more active when it comes to your facilitation online than you would in an in-person group. That's great. And, and here, here's, the last, here's the last one uh, for our discussion. Chris, we're going to start with you on this one. And, and both of y'all have mentioned, you know, a time frame, 20, 25 minutes for a, a, a group experience online. Well, what, what, what does that look like? What are the elements of an of a online group experience for adults? And, and, and how much time should we give to, to each of those elements? So, Chris, we'll start with you. Sure. And my thoughts come from just experimenting with my own personal group. Um, you know, going into it, I had never really done an online exclusive group before. And so we've kind of learned as we've gone along. But the format that we're using now is about 45 minutes to an hour. Our normal group time goes about two hours in, in our house. And we found that about 45 minutes to an hour is about what people can take, you know, they're on Zoom meetings all day long. They're staring at little screens. And so there's something called Zoom fatigue that I've, I've written about. It's real. And so if you go too long, you know, I see you, Tim. So yeah, you feel it. We all feel it. And so you have to shorten that up. So kind of the format that I've discovered is we will spend about five to 10 minutes just catching up um, because we're not seeing each other at church. We're not seeing each other out in the community, really. So there has to be some time at the beginning of just, how are you doing? What did you do this last week? You know, how are you holding up? And then a little bit of a topic set up, which is about five minutes of this is what we're talking about. Did you watch the video this week? Did you watch for us? It's did you watch the message? And then the discussion is about 20 to 25 minutes of the time, you know, kind of working through about three or four questions. That's about as many as we get to normally um, when we usually would do like maybe six questions. And then a prayer time at the end, which is about that takes up a, a more time than I thought, actually, because people have needs. They're struggling right now. So we will take 10, 15 minutes and then just a quick buy at the end, about five minutes. But all of that, about 45 minutes to an hour. Ken, how about you? What are, what are the elements and how much time do we need to give to those in a, in a group online experience? Well, watch how similar this is going to be to Chris because I didn't know what he was going to say. But uh, the groups that I've been in during our COVID uh, sequestering uh, have typically had five or 10 minutes up front for fellowship time. People really do want to talk right now because they've mis they're missing their friends and they're excited to see faces again and whatnot. And and so five to 10 minutes of fellowship, it allows some of the latecomers to straggle in as well, you know, as they're coming in for Bible study. That's one of those similar things uh, to groups on campus. We still can't get to even online groups on time. And 
that you know upfront fellowship time for about five or ten minutes, and then uh, you know whether you do prayer, or you jump right into the study. I think Chris is right. I think the prayer request portion is around ten. 12, 15 minutes. It just depends on the group. But uh, I'm going to mention here, you know, the breakout room feature is an awesome feature. If you've got a group of, you know, 12 or 15 people, uh, Zoom will break them out for you or you can do it yourself. But that could be a way to end a meeting or in the middle of the meeting, just send three or four people off to breakout rooms, let them pray. And then it'll do a countdown for you, you know, give them 10 minutes and it'll give them a one minute countdown, then come back in and then you can start your Bible study group. Uh, your Bible study time. But for the Bible study portion, again, we're finding 20, 22 or so minutes is, is about right. And so when you put it all together, uh, you're probably at the 45 or so minute mark uh, for a, a pretty complete study experience. But here's one thing that I'm seeing our group do, which I think is actually kind of smart, and I'm not doing it because I've, I've turned my group over to my apprentice and he's now teaching, but he's leaving the Zoom meeting on at the end just in case anybody just wants to linger and hang around for another five or six, seven minutes and just kind of catch up, which I thought was a really good move on his part. And so uh, it could be that, you know, that add another five or seven minutes, you know, to a group meeting, but very similar to what Chris just said. So still the same elements that we've got uh, in a classroom setting, but the, the thing that's really different is that the teaching time is cut about in half. That's great. Hey, one of the things that I know that's different about an online group experience is I don't have anybody leaving my Sunday school class early online to go sing in the choir. For sure. Hey, Ken and Chris, <laughs> appreciate y'all being with us and helping us with this. Uh, again, this is in response to a lot of our pastors saying, what is it that we can do to help our groups have a better experience online? So y'all have been very helpful. Uh, in doing this. So Scott, I'll turn it back over to you, brother. Yes, and I echo those same sentiments. Ken, Chris, thank you for being on our panel today. And this is exactly what we were wanting because we, we're not hearing as much now people saying, oh my goodness, how do I get online? Now the question is, now that I'm online, how do I do it well? Mm -hmm. Because you know the newness of this new toy is, is wearing off. And if we don't do this well, we're going to start losing attendance. So thank you for the wisdom of, of all these things that you have mentioned here. And I'll just leave us with this thought. There are some complications when we go online and we do a Zoom or Team or Google Hangout and we try to create these online small group Sunday school gatherings, but they're minimal. Do not let the complications keep you from this fellowship, from this Bible teaching, this investment time. I'm telling you, there's no greater time in history when these small group investments are more needed than it is right now. Our people starved right. for it. So thank you so much, guys. And uh, we will uh, look forward to having you on another time. You guys are heroes. Thank you for LifeWay and all that you do. Tim, thanks for setting up our meeting and all of our questions. And we'll see you another day.